Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 74. I'm Ainsley Arment, and this week we're talking with our beloved friend, Sally Clarkson, about finding friends in a new place and giving our children a safe space to express their big emotions without fear of being unloved. I had determined my grid was to love them well, provide joy in their lives, and for me to grow in the direction of being patient and mature so that they could expect that from me. Plus, we'll share an exciting update about our nature journaling course by Kristen Rogers. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. The idea of family is a promised land of sorts. From the time I was a little girl, I've wanted one of my very own. Whether it was forming a family from scratch, gathering a group of friends, or providing for a passel of foster kids, families are at the heart of every dream I've ever had for my life. But having a healthy family has proved tougher than it looks. Perhaps because they're so easily thwarted by failed marriages, societal influences, and pressure on our kids to grow up too fast. Not to mention our own sets of baggage, childhood trauma, and downright flawed humanity. My grandmother had three husbands by the time I was born, abandoned by one, abused by another. And my own parents divorced when I was 14. And my own marriage brought me dreadfully close to the same fate before going through a redemptive transformation. I have experienced firsthand what happens when families fall apart. In all reasonable respects, I should have given up on my dream long ago. And yet, I refuse to give up on the beautiful promise of families. Since the beginning of time when families were first formed, they have been the most important source of security for our children the most formative influence on their precious souls, and the most profound biological gift they've ever been given. The reason all comes down to relationship. Growing, learning, loving, healing, these things don't happen by chance. Individuals are formed physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually in the context of a relationship-rich childhood. We also know that the first and most important source of relationships is the family, and each family's culture determines whether relationship is reinforced or relegated. For many generations, we didn't have to think about this. Most families lived in small spaces with multiple generations under one roof. The abundance of touch, conversations, eye contact, and interaction provided a rich seedbed for each person to flourish and discover their identity. I can't help but think of Charlie in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, who was raised by his impoverished parents and two sets of grandparents who hadn't gotten out of bed in 20 years. The only meals they could afford were bread and butter for breakfast, boiled potatoes and cabbage for lunch, and cabbage soup for supper. And yet Charlie found a home where he would be safe, cherished, and dearly loved. Never mind that Grandpa Joe suddenly sprang out of bed like nothing was the matter when Charlie found the golden ticket. But this quirky yet beloved little family checked all the boxes for a little boy. The lonely is set in families. The unlovely is set in families. And what a beautiful, blossoming place it can be. 
We'll hear from Sally Clarkson in just a moment, but I wanted to take a moment to let you know that we've just added four new bonus lessons to our beloved course by Kristen Rogers called Nature Journal. This 14-week course features Kristen's articles and video tutorials from the past few years of Wild and Free content bundles. It includes printable worksheets and step-by-step instructions. You'll also receive a copy in the mail of her 132-page full-color book, which showcases photos of her process, describes her techniques, and gives you an intimate peek at her own paintings. You'll not only learn how to choose supplies and draw specific items from nature, but you'll also find a bounty of illustrations and photos from Kristen's own nature journals. This is the consummate guide to nature journaling with your children. And it's as much a collector's item as a practical guide. And now we've just added four new lessons which are immediately available when you sign up. To learn more, go to bewildandfree.org slash nature journal. Sally Clarkson is the homeschooling mother of four grown children and the author of numerous books, including Seasons of a Mother's Heart, Own Your Life, The Life-Giving Home, and her most recent book, Awaking Wonder. She's a dear part of the Wild and Free community, and we always love having her here. She recently sat down with Jennifer Pepito to talk about finding friends in a new place, working through conflict in our families, and giving our children a safe space to express their big emotions. Let's listen in. I'm so excited to chat with you today, Sally. How are you? Oh, fine. It's so always fun to have a reason to talk with you, Jennifer. It's this fun. Oh, yes, I, I just have been so appreciative of your posts and watching you transition to kind of a new life because I know you've moved a lot in your life. But from what I could um, observe, you'd been in Colorado for a while. Mm-hmm. And then you made this big move across the pond to be closer to your kids. And I thought it'd be encouraging just to hear a little bit about how you have survived moves, especially in those years where you had children at home. Oh, that's so fun. Well, I do think that um, it's it's like with anything else, the more you do it, the more experienced you are and the more wise you are. Hopefully you can either be wise or cynical. Um, and so I do have to say I did live here for 18 months um, off and on a couple of years ago. So England wasn't totally um, a surprise to me. Um, but the nice thing about here is I've, I've moved to other countries, um, but in the other countries, the national language wasn't English. And so it makes it a lot easier for me here that, um, number one, I'm used to being in foreign cultures and realizing that it is not going to be like home. And I, I think I would say the best thing for people to do when they move someplace is to say, okay, this is not going to be like home the culture is different. The people are different. Even if it's in America or to another state, um, my, we're not going to have the same exact friends. The houses might even be different. And I just need to know to expect that I'm going to have to be flexible for a little bit. And if you, if you can know that, then it's not going to tilt you as much in life. It's not going to push you off your feet. Yeah, that's so good. I think that you know, there's been so many transitions this year with people having to stay home more mm-hmm. than they were like, well, maybe I want to stay home somewhere else. And so a lot of people are dealing with that 
kind of almost culture shock. Cause like you say, even if you just change states or towns, mm-hmm. there's always a lot to adjust to. There's new places to explore and new communities to develop. How did you develop community when you were in a new place, especially when you were, when had children who were school age and you were homeschooling? Yeah. I think that um, one of the things I have had to learn over many years, and I've talked about this a lot, but um, I realized that I needed to be the initiator. Um, if I, I've almost started every Bible study I've ever had in my home or, or mom's group or whatever, you know, I, I would have to find some people that, you know, seemed like-minded or had kids, my kids' ages. And then I would first invite them over for either a playtime or a meal or, you know, meeting in the park or whatever. And then um, often the the people who became my best friends were either people who came over and wanted to be involved in a group with me or people who wanted to work with me. Like you and I have worked together in Wild and Free conferences, and that opened a door for you and me to be able to become friends. And I, I think that whenever you get to volunteer with someone and work shoulder to shoulder, or do a project shoulder to shoulder, or teach a class shoulder to shoulder, um, it naturally builds bridges between you and the other person. And um, so I, I feel like I've always had to say, what what could I do that I that I need for my family? Whether it's a a play group, a park group, a you know meeting once in a while, a book club. Um, and then when I initiate, um, it's rarely been that people don't come when I host something, but Oftentimes, I haven't been the person who's invited when I first moved to a place. So I think just knowing that that's a part of uh, us needing to do, you know, to have friends, we have to reach out. The other thing is, what a hard time, because I was just talking with a friend in America recently, or in a few minutes ago, and um, a lot of the groups are canceled and classes are canceled and uh, it's it's a much harder time to move somewhere. And, um, you know, you're going to think, they don't have my local coffee shop that I used to love. Or your children might think, they don't have the park down the street with the right p- playground or whatever. Um, but I do think it's a pretty hard time for women right now. And if it feels hard, it's okay for you to feel like it's hard because um, that that you don't want to feel guilt for having a feeling. Feelings are neutral. Just try to move forward in providing yourself with a way forward to be able to meet some of the needs that you have so that you can last longer. Yeah, that's so good. I know it's, it's like we can't be a Pollyanna as completely about the way things are because this is a, a, you know, a situation none of us have ever lived through before. Nobody's ever lived through this kind of isolation. I was talking to my daughter, even, you know, during some of the crises that Europe went through, World War One, World War Two. Mm-hmm. Um, there was not these extended periods of isolation. People right. still could gather. And I think that having some friends to be with is so helpful for your mental health. Oh, so, yeah. you know, we've done a lot more getting together outside and things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I love what you said about building community, that being the initiator and whether that's just inviting people to go on a walk or meet at a park, if that's allowed where you live, then mm-hmm. that is a precious way to overcome the situation. It's not allowed now, right at this very moment. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying today, okay, Lord, this is it. Because um, we are not allowed to meet, walk. Uh, anyway, it's kind of crazy, but 
And is that your daughter yeah. in, in uh, Ireland? Is she, is she doing? Yes, my daughter's, yes, yeah, she's in Northern Ireland and she was in Wales for Christmas. And so they were on the edge of a city and they could walk a little bit more, but now back in Belfast, it is kind of the same. So it's an interesting time in the world because in the U.S. still, you can, you know, yesterday we were at an outdoor, <laughs> right? You can still, you can still go outside and gather with people, but I know depending on where you live, it's a lot harder. So Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess that's where maybe FaceTime and Zoom and things like that can be helpful. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about the habits that you've developed because you've gone through all these transitions in your life mm -hmm. where you've had to make a life in a new place and transitions can be really upsetting to rhythm and routine. And yet you are one of the people in, in the world that I, I look at you and I think, oh my goodness, she gets so much done <laughs> and she's so diligent. So how have habits helped you? transition? I think habits are just the best thing in the world. Because our family has traveled, been in missions, done conferences, we started some habits that were family habits, and then we would keep them going even on the road. And um, even things like one of my goals, and I, I wrote a lot about this in Awakening Wonder, but um, one of my ultimate goals for me with my children was to establish um, really strong relationships with them. Because uh, I think when a relationship is secure, uh, you're much more likely to influence a person or to help them or to, to teach them. They'll be open to you. And so um, these are simple habits. But um, the first thing I realized is the way that I greet my children or my husband in the morning. Good morning or um, hello, my precious sunshine or whatever it is. When, when you get up and somebody is sensitive to your personality and you, you affirm them or you speak into their lives, affirmation, goodness, love, whatever, it's just a little habit. But um, that habit, you know, we're at an old hotel that has no good food. And, you know, somebody walks in the door. Hi, precious. Guess what? We're going to have a donut morning. You know, I mean, whatever it is. Um, just thinking of me as a conductor of love and beauty and goodness that when I see other people that um, to have a complaining, whining heart turns everybody away from the way that you want them to behave that day. <laughs> so that's one habit. Um, you know, we, uh, we daily had uh, quiet times together. We, um, whether we would read something from a, a book or, or the Bible or, whatever, we would always start our day with a meal, you know, same meal almost every day for us, scrambled eggs. Um, we would start out with a meal, read a little something, chat a little bit, and then we would pray, give our day to the Lord. But that that was an anchor, no matter where we were in the world. Um, uh, the the good night blessing, um, to tie all of the loose ends together. You sit with each child if you possibly can, and um, I still do it here. Joy and I do it every day. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, she's uh, an adult and, and finishing her PhD and, and either she'll say, it's your turn, mom, or my turn. But we just uh, sit on each other's bed or whatever. And we tie the loose ends of the day together. How are you? What's going on? How are you feeling about today? Um, and I call it a bedtime blessing, just saying, I'm so thankful you're here or whatever. It's, you know, when you have a, a good start and a good ending, um, so whether we were in a hotel or any place else, and then of course the in-between for us and people just think we're crazy, but I learned it when I lived in Europe for many years, we always had the habit of a tea time in the afternoon. 
boys, girls, men, women, whatever. And so I actually would pack up. Um, I have a china cup that I travel with. I have a little tin can that has tea in it. And so all the kids started doing that. They would travel with a cup. And sometime in the afternoon, no matter where we were in the world or where we were speaking, I would light a candle, put on music in my hotel room, and we would all sip a, sip a something together. It might have been a Coke or it might have been hot chocolate or whatever. But we would just take 10 minutes to kind of spend being friends and giggling, you know, and, and laughing. Or, you know, I mean, we we have a real dramatic family. We don't always get along. We are, you know, full of drama. But um, I think that when I saw myself as a conductor of pushing through the relationships, um, you know, I wrote a lot about this in the Life Giving Table, actually, <laughs> but we did, no matter what, try to keep those anchors in general going. I did weekly anchors, too. But when we moved places, those habits never stopped. Um, and I mean, maybe, maybe that stopped for a day or two, but in general, those were the things we did every day. And it built over thousands of days, a sense of security and stability. Wow, that's really good, Sally. I love that you had all these, these were short anchors, they weren't long or really involved. Mm -hmm. But there are several anchors in your days that brought people close together. And I think one of the things that people really struggle with, especially as their children enter the teen years, mm -hmm. is they feel like they no longer have a right to call their children close. And so, especially I think right now where there's so much um, so little to do. And really almost some people probably feel like all there is to do is let their kids be on computers. Mm -hmm. But I think that what you're describing here, you know, pulling everyone close at least three times a day mm -hmm. is probably a big part of what helped you guys stay close. Well, it is. And I, I have to say, um, you know, right now I'm Joel and Joy, who normally study in St. Andrews. They're both finishing their or getting their PhDs. Joy's closer than Joel is. Um, they both teach up there. They both have jobs, but they are not allowed to go um, back into Scotland right now. Um, it's a closed border. And um, and so we are still <laughs> every day, you know, we, I, I make breakfast or Joy makes breakfast or Joel does every day. Um, you know, good morning, blessing. It, it, it's more of a, it's just a habit. And then we eat together, pray together. We do the same thing at night. We have our tea time in the afternoon. I mean, it's never ended. It became a deeply rooted expectation. And, um, you know, they're, they're pretty old. I mean, Joel's 34 and Joy's 25. And, and so what I mean is we never didn't do those particular ones. Um, breakfast, dinner, tea time, bed blessing. How are you doing? I'm so glad. I'm sorry that I lost my temper together. How are you doing? Whatever it is, you tie the day together with love and affirmation and peace. Oh, so important. I think, you know, I think that as parents, often we just let go of our children too early. You know, we let go of the opportunity to influence and the opportunity to speak into their lives. And then we let other, other voices have a bigger yeah. role than us. Yeah. You know, and that, that's really easy to do with online classes and Pinterest and Instagram and I, I don't know what it is now. I think it's even beyond Snapchat. I'm not sure. But, yeah. you know, it's it's easy to let other voices be the main influences in our children's lives. Mm -hmm. But even when they're even when they're going into adulthood, they're still our family. They're still our people. And we still have the opportunity to, to speak into their lives. It's so true. And I think, um, you know, I talk a lot in, in um, 
several of my books, but especially Waking Wonder about developing a family culture and also developing your own grid. And um, because my goal, education was kind of a side goal. (laughs) I mean, by that, I, I began to realize that education takes place in every moment of the day and what you're reading, how you're talking, what you're trying to point people towards and so on. But because my goal was to shape, uh, you know, I, I really pondered, admired, studied the life of Christ. How did he influence his disciples? And it was having a grid of I am for them. I am with them. Um, I remember circling many times um, the word with. He he walked with them. He went with them. He ate with them. He, um, you know, he whatever. And I thought, okay, I need to be for them. That means that they can depend on me to champion them. And I need to be with them. And so that's why through the years, uh, did my teenage kids have emotions? Of course they did. But there was never, ever a time when we weren't going to practice those anchors where I had determined my grid was to love them well, provide joy in their lives, and for me to grow in the direction of being patient and mature so that they could expect that from me in all the all the seasons of their lives. So we, we've kind of We've never not all been close. Yeah, that's so precious. And I think so have, inspiring. I was going to say, it doesn't I mean, mean we haven't had conflict, um, but but we all just, that was kind of an expectation of us being friends. And I always had a, you know, before the end of the day, if you have something against someone, you can, you might stay up all night, but we're going to be together until there's peace. Yeah. How did you work through conflict? Because I think one of the things that as we're raising children who are thinkers and who are researching and learning, sometimes our values and theirs aren't going to be 100% the same, or we might have a disagreement. How did you, as your children grew into the later years, teens, and so on, Mm -hmm. how did you guys work through conflict? Well, I mean, we've been talking forever. Sometimes I think we talk too much, actually. (laughs) But um, I think that that gets to another kind of deep conviction of mine. And that is that I knew that I needed to not be the person who controlled my children's lives. And and so I didn't, um, you know, my my beginning was to lay foundations of truth, wisdom, you know, virtue, uh, great ideas and intelligence, so on and so forth. But as they started growing older, I said, you know what, you've got a great mind, you've got a great heart. Um, I can't make your decisions for you, but I believe you're going to move in the direction of wise decisions. And so when they had an outlandish thing to say or to do, um, you know, there are always certain things that you say, no matter what, you may not do this. (laughs) Um, But also we gave our children driver's licenses the moment they could get them. And um, when my kids said, I want to move, you know, to New York City or to all the way across the world, we said, how can we help you? Um, But I I think that some people think that influence comes through control. And we do have to stay very attuned to our children's lives because it's a very difficult world. But I think from the time our children were little, we said, um, you know, I call it self-government. Um, you are going to live a story. I hope it's going to be a great story. And these are some wise ways to live your story so that when they became older, 
um, you know, obviously there's a lot of foolishness and boys' brains don't close until they're about 24. People need to know this. They're not thinking rationally. Um, but you're, you know, you've communicated what you, the virtues you want to hold, uphold in your family when they're little. You continue talking about it later and then you just stay with them, um, you know, in with them through all the different conflicts and stuff. But I tried to remember what I was like as a teenager. I I tried to honor them as human beings. I tried to listen to what they said. And and again, nobody is usually won by control or by force or by, you know, well, you will do this no matter what. Um, you know, we tried really hard when we could to be open-minded to what my children were struggling with. And then another thing we did is that uh, because we did move a lot and the kids were lonely, um, we tried to come up with really fun, bigger than life adult sort of things that our kids could do during those years. We would write to somebody across the United States and say, can my son come visit you for three weeks? Uh, You know, we tried to stay close to friends that they admired to, to be, you know, to be able to, fly on that plane by themselves and go visit aunt so-and-so or your best friend whose child is their age or whatever. We tried to occupy them with real work, with, um, you know, with just fun um, travel. Um, We did a lot of historical travel. We just tried to think of how can we keep them so busy that they can't rebel too much. I love that. I think that's so, um, you know, it reminds me too of Julie Bogart's The Element of Surprise, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and also the need for adventure. I mean, I think that with our older children, if we're not providing vision or if we're not providing something for mm-hmm. them to move towards, they're going right. to stagnate. They're going to just be sitting in a basement playing video games, you know, but if yeah, we, we have if we to help occupy them a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we help push them towards vision and towards purpose, then they'll, they'll push through. I mean, they're going to make mistakes. That's just a part of life, but mm-hmm. they'll push through that dangerous apathy. Right. Right. And I, you know, I, it meant that I had to, I mean, people are writing me a lot right now that they're really weary. I don't know if there's a time in my life when I haven't been tired. Um, how about you, Jennifer? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's different right now, but yes. Yeah. I just mean by that, um, you know, whether it, right now, whether I'm helping Sarah with her um, children or, um, whether I'm trying to say, I'm so sorry you have no friends right now to my older kids because they are totally secluded. So mm-hmm. I try to think of fun things for them. I'm, I, you know, I try to find movies or events or we have one person that we can invite over for our bubble and it's a really fun man. And, and so we make dinners. I mean, we're, I'm trying all the time to cultivate a sense of life will be okay someday. Cause we're, we're pretty strictly, um, closed down right now. Right. Um, But I can look back in my teenagers lives and see times when they were lonely. And so I would create these big fun things for them to feel a part of and or provide jobs with um, help them find jobs that where they could make a lot of money or have some influence or be in charge of so that they could feel like their lives had purpose and meaning. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. And I think that the core of all of what you're saying, Sally, is that you had hope. And so you're able to translate to that to your children that there's hope. And I, you know, I think that developing good habits and being able to transition well, all of that comes down to having hope for our future. 
That's so true. You're such a hopeful person. I just will say this too. Our children had many bumps. They got speeding tickets. They um, had car wrecks. I mean, you know, it isn't easy. And so if your life isn't easy right now and your children roll their eyes and your boys think you're crazy, um, we had to ride the roller coaster with our kids as well. But um, you're probably doing a better job than you think. Just don't give up. Just keep going. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. Well, I'm excited for people to learn more from you on your Instagram, Sally Clarkson, or on your website, Life with Sally. Instagram is Sally.Clarkson. Sally.Clarkson. And as always, it's just such a joy to learn from you. I could listen to you for hours, Sally. Oh, I love being with you. Let's get together when this is over. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sally. Friends, don't forget about our special offer with the Nature Journaling course by Kristen Rogers. Each week's lesson includes a video tutorial where Kristen shows you step-by-step how to paint a particular subject. Each video feels like a one-on-one tutorial with Kristen herself. You don't have to be a great artist to nature journal, but by learning the fundamentals of observation, painting, and documenting, you'll find joy in this beloved craft. Whether it's a tree frog, a mushroom, or a wildflower, you'll have the opportunity to develop and grow your nature journaling skills. To learn more and get the four bonus lessons, visit bewildandfree.org slash nature journal. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But join us again next week for the Wild and Free Podcast.